Welcome to The Heath Barnes Show, bringing you interviews and insights to grow your business from some of today's leading voices in the mortgage industry. The Heath Barnes Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Heath Barnes. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with one of our mentor and friends, Jack Daly. Jack Daly is an incredible individual, and this guy's built a life by design. In fact, that's one of his new books coming out very soon, if, if it's not already out. Jack is a leading sales speaker and a personal trainer with over 30 years of sales experience uh, and executive uh, expertise. Uh, he's, he's built six companies two of which have been mortgage companies and sold it to Wall Street firms like Solomon Brothers and First Boston. Uh, he's also a, a, an Army vet. I uh, was a captain in the Army. He's a New York Times bestselling author of the book Hyper Sales Growth and the Sales Playbook. He's going to talk about the five strategies if you're a loan officer that you're going to need to implement the next three to six months if you're going to survive uh, the next five years. And if you're a sales manager, three strategies that you absolutely have to immediately to start bringing on loan officers. So uh, I think you're going to love this 15-time Ironman competitor who's completed more than uh, 90 marathons in 50 states and, and seven continents. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Good morning, Jack. Keith, how are you? Oh, I'm better than I probably deserve. How about yourself? I'm fantastic and grateful every day. That's great. Well, hey, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Jack. You know, a few months ago, you you, you came and spoke at uh, a Vistage group of ours, and I was reminded of all the things that I was doing wrong in my business. I was also reminded that you have created a life by design. Uh, that that's what I appreciate about you and you being a, a fitness junkie as myself. I appreciate that as well. But I was also reminded that you used to be in the mortgage business a few years ago. That you um, actually grew I, a company from a few to to many. Tell us about that. Yeah, a, a, a few years ago is correct. And I will tell you that uh, I had several decades in the mortgage industry. So uh, we'll try to condense it as best we can. Uh, I got into the mortgage business in 1975. Uh, Wow, that just blows my mind to say that out loud. Um, The first entry that I had, uh, I created a mortgage operation to support a national builder uh, that was delivering 12,000 homes a year nationwide, and it was a finish-it-yourself product, and they needed somebody to provide construction loans, and then once the home was finished, I'll flip it into a perm. And so I was doing 90% of those 12,000 homes nationwide in the uh, mid mid to late 70s. Um, out of that company, I, I then launched another company that was called ShelterNet, um, which was a very controversial company that got, Wall, uh, got the Wall Street Journal to write up about us uh, because the um, National Mortgage Bankers Association was objecting to the to the company that uh, that I visioned, which was to uh, disintermediate loan officers uh, and put technology in a realtor office 
uh, such that the realtor and the and the home buyer could do their loans without a loan officer. Uh, we uh, we subsequently uh, uh, partnered and then eventually sold that company to a Wall Street firm, First Boston, and uh, and so that was my experiences in the mortgage industry a long time ago uh, on the East Coast, which is where I grew up in the Philly area. I then moved to California in 1985 and. Uh, started a, a mortgage operation on in California with myself and three other uh, three other guys that worked with me on the East Coast. And 18 months later, our company had grown from four people to 750 people um, at all organic growth, 22 locations in the U.S. Our first three years in business, we made $42 million in pre-tax earnings. And that took place between 85 and 91. Uh, I then took on a, a large mortgage operation uh, that had 2,600 salespeople, and I ran that for a while. And then in uh, in 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 the mid to late 90s, uh, joined in with two entrepreneurs, and we built something that was called Platinum Capital, which uh, earned us um, Inc. number 10 on the Inc. 500 with 10,100 percent growth. And Ernst and Young honored us as Entrepreneur of the Year in '98. Uh, so quite a journey, a lot of fun, a lot of experience, lots of loans, and lots of people. Wow. Well, yeah. When I heard when I heard you a few months ago, I knew I, I had to hire this gentleman because in life, if you're going to get somewhere, uh, d don't make it up yourself. Uh, find someone that's been there, uh, help them with your challenges, and so. Uh, that's that's why I decided to uh, reach out to you and and ask for some help in my business. And uh, you've you've been a big help, and I appreciate it. I, and I'm curious, uh, you know, industries change, but people don't. Um, for those listeners out there that might be new in the industry, you know, what advice would you give them about the the way they should be handling clients or how they should be uh, selling? Since you're the sales expert and national speaker and written many bestseller books what advice would you give someone that that might only have a couple two to two to five years in the business right now yeah so so I, i'm going i'm going to cover it a little bit differently than that uh let's just call it i'm going to put it into the bonus arena so so Heath, i i want to talk about that um relatively new uh loan officer out there uh, less than five years experience. And I'd like to ju just take a, another cut at it, the same question, but for somebody that's kind of a, a manager uh, in the mortgage industry, uh, because we really can grow our businesses uh, with that particular person. So back to the to the relatively inexperienced, less than five-year loan officer, um, I, 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 I'll give you five takeaways. Uh, the first one is model the masters. You alluded to meeting me uh, at a Vistage meeting and hearing me speak and said, gosh, this guy's been there, done that. Uh, I could learn a lot. Uh, we, I, tell, I tell people all over the world when I speak, uh, if you want to find the easiest way to do things better than you're currently doing it, find people that have already figured it out and go and learn mm -hmm. from them. And so right. model masters, find top loan officers and go ride shotgun with them, go interview them, uh, listen to them. I, I, I will tell you that so many of the top people are uh, open to doing that 
All we have to do is be brave enough to take our ego, put it on the side and say, hey, I'd love to just um, ride shotgun with you for a few days and pick your brain. So I, I yeah. number one, model the masters. The second, the best people in any endeavor in life practice. And yet very few loan officers are out there practicing. You get better by practicing. And the worst place to practice is on real deals on real prospects, on real customers. And mm -hmm. so item number two is practice. Item number three is systems and processes. One of the things that I find with top producing loan officers is they follow a process uh, and they have it down. And uh, in effect, I call it a playbook. Uh, incorporate best practices. You know, I speak, Keith, to um, president's clubs and chairman's clubs of companies in all different industries. And that's great, recognizing the top producers. The problem with it is that the top producers are the same people year after year after year. And mm -hmm. so uh, incorporate what they're doing into a playbook and then practice the playbook. And I think you're gonna just jettison in terms of your success. The right. fourth takeaway is focus, focus, focus on what I call HPAs, high payoff activities. And um, if it isn't a high payoff activity, then give it to someone else. Uh, one of my catchphrases is, if you don't have an assistant, you are one. There are things that need to be done as a loan officer, but not necessarily done by you. So that's mm -hmm. my fourth takeaway. And the last takeaway is, is a little bit controversial at times when you first hear it, and that is, quit selling <laughs> and a loan officer needs to understand that their job is to help their customer with their needs their opportunities their problems their pain points and so the only way that we can do that is by asking questions and getting clarity as to what that borrower is really looking for and help them in the best way that we can you take those five things as a loan officer and you marry yourself to those you're going to see quick success and you're going to see a long-term career of success. Now, let me just 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 flip over to just the manager side for just a little bit. Uh, okay. The first thing, I'll give you a three on the manager side. First okay. is you've got to build a recruiting list. You got If you want to grow, grow your organization, you grow your organization by growing your salespeople in quantity and quality. That's what the key is. Um, the second thing is that you need to know what you're shopping for. And I'm not talking about a job description. I'm talking about a position profile. I'm talking about the personal characteristics and the attributes of what makes a great loan officer. What, what makes that person so terrific? Um, you know, I like people that are goal oriented. I, I, I like people that, that are system oriented. I like people that have got grit. I like people that are money hungry. These are the attributes that I'm looking for in a top producing, uh, producer on on sales and then the third is uh build your branch build your organization that playbook that systems and processes you know i i used to visit over a hundred of my offices in the mortgage industry which had 2600 salespeople, and i'd give the same speech everywhere i went there aren't 2600 best ways to sell this stuff figure out the best ways build the system and process, practice the systems and process, and gosh, we'll just beat the hell out of our competitors. So those are the, those are the ingredients of advice that I would give.
Yeah, I like what you said about Nick Saban, uh, and not on this not on this podcast, but when we first uh, a couple of months ago when you when you spoke, you said you know yeah, a recruit doesn't come to Alabama and say, "Hey, coach, I got my own playbook." That doesn't happen with <laughs> Nick Saban. So. No, and, but what does happen with Nick Saban, whether you like the University of Alabama or not, is they won the championship this year, but even more impressively, they've won like a half a dozen in the last eight years. Uh, right. That, that team uh, is following Nick Saban's systems and processes. There's no debate about that. Right, right. And yeah, and so uh, earlier you, you spoke about the five things that a, a, new, a newer person, a newer salesperson can do. One thing that you emphasized was practice. And I'm curious, do you have a, a, a like a technique that you that you advise for uh, like a newer loan officer that wants to practice? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I've, I've got a two part answer to that. The first part is the most effective way that we have found to date is putting three people together. One person takes the role of the salesperson loan officer. One person takes the role of the customer prospect. And the third person takes the role of an observer. And the salesperson loan officer sets the stage of what the circumstances are and then begins and conducts the call. The prospect um, is not the hardest prospect to deal with, nor are they the easiest. They, they, they do it real. And then the observer just takes notes, what they liked, what they didn't like, mm -hmm. and suggestions for improvement. That, that I have been teaching for over 30 years. Uh, so that's tried and true. I have clients today that in the pandemic, uh, uh, where their salespeople used to be out in their cars so much, now they're at home. Uh, I have clients that are, that are doing role practice with their salespeople in Zoom rooms of three people, and they're doing it for an hour each day. The CEO of one of my clients in Ohio said their salespeople have never been this good uh, because they've turned uh, an adversary, the pandemic, into, into something that was positive and said, we can get better at what we do. They're having one of their best years ever because the skill set of their people has gone skyrocketed because of the practice. Now, the second thing that I would mention in terms of how to do this isn't on the market yet, but I hope to have it out in the market within the next three to four months. And that is I'm working in partnership with a firm to build an app on your phone uh, that will incorporate the sales playbook um, with practice and enable you to do practice and measure how you're improving on that app on your phone. That, should, that that hopefully will be out in the marketplace within about 90 days. Nice. And and, and, and how, how does it show that you're improving on the app? Um, artificial intelligence base, and uh, you, you pack the app with the scripts that you should be using that are best practices out of the playbook. And then based on the keywords that you've played into the practice app, uh, it then gives you a grade as to how you've, how you've done. It also tracks how often you're practicing, and what, what type of progress that you're making. And the better that you load up the app with your best practices, um, the, better the, the better the app becomes. Fully well, I know, customized. I know yeah, I know, I know I'm looking forward to that app. 
because uh, more practice equals better results. And uh, speaking of results, you, you, you said for uh, earlier for, for better results, you need to focus, focus, focus. And uh, you, you use the term, uh, it's, 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 is it HPA? High Yeah. High payoff so, activity. Yeah, high payoff ex- activities. Like, what? What's one? Uh, what's one activity that someone uh, that's not super clear on what those look like? What's one or two high payoff activities that someone needs to be doing at least every day or or, or a few days a week to make sure that they can continue to um, bring in business? Yeah, awesome question. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to something called a touch system. And if a- anyone has an interest in going deeper here, uh, you could go either onto my website at jackdailysales.com, uh, and that's D-A-L-Y is my name, or you could just go onto YouTube and find a whole ton of videos that I've done, both of which are free. But I would key in on those videos and ask for the touch system. So here's the advice particularly for um, less experienced loan officers, even though I recommend this for the most senior say senior originators as well. And that is that uh, it takes nine touches before the prospect even knows that you exist. Um, most, most loan officers quit at five or less. And so a touch is any way you reach out and let somebody know that you're out there. It could be a phone call, it could be a personal visit face-to-face, it could be an email or a voicemail or a snail mail. Uh, any way that you reach out and let them know, hey, I'm out here. And so um, we need to touch them frequently, uh, and uh, the frequency depends upon their, their, their uh, perceived worth to you. Uh, and as we'll tell, you know, whether we're going to touch them every day or once a week or once a month. And when we're touching them, uh, it isn't all about, hey, use me, use me. I want to be your loan officer. Um, it's thinking about them, bringing them things of value. So in my touch system, I might, I might be focusing on top real estate agents. Well, uh, top real estate agents are always being called on by loan officers, and they're typically very happy with the people they're already doing business with. So it's difficult to cut in and get in there. But if you were if you were to read a book or two uh, by a top real estate agent like Danielle Kennedy, uh, heralded a uh, national real real estate person, and she, you read through her book, I could give that assignment to a a college intern and say, Hey, I want um, 21 page flyers out of this book um, mm-hmm. on how to list a home, how to sell a home, how to be a better real estate agent. And literally you could touch your prospects with, um, with emails and phone calls and all kinds of matter of ways that you can touch them. And you're touching them with value added pieces. I know loan officers that have done that heat where they're not getting a response from the real estate agent, but they fed them at least 15 of these touches. And all of a sudden they take them off the rotation. And all of a sudden the real estate agent notices that other people in the office are still getting them. They call the, they call the loan officer and say, Hey, I used to be getting these value added pieces and I, I, I must have fallen off of your database. And then you say, well, actually, um, I can only do 
so many with people and I need to be doing business with you in order for me to continue to give you those pieces. Um, how about if I put you back in the rotation for another 30 days and hopefully maybe I'll see some loans coming from you. And uh, they're, they're signing people up left and right with that approach. Yeah, I love that approach. I wrote that down. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed at the loan officers that uh, you know they come to me and they say, you know, I met with this agent and I've called them a couple of times and they're not sending me any business. So uh, for those of you that, that, that that's, that's happened, remember, uh, is it nine, nine touches before they, uh, they actually start doing business with you? So, um, yeah, maybe nine, call. Nine, t- nine, nine before they even know that you're out there. Uh, I, wow. And it's going to be longer possibly before that. Uh, and, 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 the, and, this, and one of the keys that I see is that so many new uh, people in the business, new by three or four years, um, they're not doing their homework either. And so in today's world with technology, um, anybody that's out there, you pretty much can learn a ton from them by just going and doing some kind of a search on the Internet and uh, leverage the things that you learn about them. If you were to yeah. pop my name and Google my name, you would know so much about me. But you can't imagine how many LinkedIn people are are attacking me and um, and and just pummeling me with trying to sell me on their services and so forth. And they've done no homework. They pretend as though they that we know each other. Um, all they're doing is 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 ruining their credibility with me. They'll never get into me. And so yeah. do your homework and provide value. That should be the mindset. Yeah. Yeah, do your do your homework and know a little bit about the person before you're meeting with them, whether whether it's an agent or a client. And well, when I'm when I'm meeting with agents, <clears throat> and it, like maybe it's the first time and they've come to my office, uh, one thing I always say to them, I say, listen, I want to make sure before you send me a client that I've given you giving you enough value. And so figuring out, you know, how can I help them? Uh, most people forget that, you know. Uh, helping them with their business, with their money, with their health, with their kids, uh, just asking them, hey, what's an area in your life that if you could get some help today would make your life a little bit a- a little bit easier? Like if you can get that question answered for them and help them, uh, you'll, you'll definitely start seeing some business for, uh, from them. So because everybody hey, knows in our, in our – go ahead. Hey, let me tag, tag you on that. Uh, Please. You know – uh, the 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 new loan officer and I'm describing new as four or five years or less. Uh, you know, uh, there there's an opening to build relationships with relatively new real estate agents. Now that's not going mm-hmm. to be the power volume, but maybe that person will grow into a power volume provider. Many of those relatively new real estate agents are sitting on houses on open houses. Um, you know, the listing agent was somebody that's got a, a lot of tenure and a lot of experience, and so they're able to make it rain, but they can't be sitting on all the homes that they've got out there, so they enlist these relatively new real estate agents. But one of the problems is that um, there's hardly ever any professional follow-up on the people that visited the homes. So uh, you can go in and visit the home, develop the relationship with the agent, and say, hey, as you get these people to come in, uh, if you can get their contact information, um, we can arrange such, such that I'll follow up and you don't have to be bothered with it and we can make sure that we don't lose them those as opportunities. 
Um, that's that's thinking in terms of how can I help my real estate agent as opposed to how can I get a loan. Yes, for sure. Yeah, getting that list from that real estate agent and 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 following up with those clients and and scheduling appointment for that real estate agent. Uh, that's what a loan officer in my office was talking about. I think he learned that from you from your seminar last month. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's a great idea. Just being the assistant for the real estate agent. Uh, another technique, if you're a younger loan officer and you're meeting with an, an agent and they're struggling with business, which most of us are, is uh, the, the idea that somebody gave me not too long ago was get a list of the 25 people that are closest to you and uh, like friends or family member and go meet with them. Uh, and you're giving this information to a real estate agent and having that real estate agent go meet with 25 people that they know and take them to lunch and spend that hour just asking that person uh, about them, their life, asking them a lot of good questions, and then asking them at the very end, hey, if you needed a real estate agent, who would you call? And a lot of people will say, I don't know. And so as a real estate agent, you could say, hey, uh, call me if you need anything for your real estate needs. So you'll, I think you'll be surprised at how many people will send you business. So and you know, Jack, the hardest thing about business is you know bringing in the business, and then once you bring in the business, uh, hiring an assistant. And I think most people wait until they actually have enough business to actually hire an assistant. And once you've done that, well, you don't have time to train the assistant or find the right assistant. You just find the assistant that's closest and easiest to hire, and that sometimes can be a, be an issue. And I know you've had you've got what six or seven assistants. What what advice would you give to someone who is just about to hire an assistant? Yeah. So so most most salespeople in, in every industry that I see wait too long to get the assistant. They view it as an expense. And what I say is it's an investment. Let me take you all the way back <laughs> to when I was like. 13 years old, I had a newspaper route of 32 customers and I was a pretty good salesperson. And within a year, I had grown that route into 275 customers. Delivering papers after school in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the winter, cold, dark, rain, snow, all of that, 275 papers. Nobody likes that job. And, and I, I had no time to sell anymore. So all I was doing was a crappy job. So you had to be 12 years old to get a newspaper out. So I hired five 11-year-olds to deliver the papers for me such that I gave them a half, half the money and then a year later gave them a letter of recommendation to get their own route. Um, you know, I, I, the wow. paper company didn't give me that idea. I came up with it on my own, but I've had assistance ever since I was 13. And uh, that enabled me to stay focused on the things that I like the best and that I do the best, which is sell. And that's where we make the HPAs come into play. Yeah. What's, what's, what's one piece of advice uh, people should know that they forget about when they hire an assistant and they've been with them a while, uh, just to keep them happy and, and keep them doing what you need them to do? Yeah, you, you know, let them feel as though they're part of the success of every closure that we do. Um, and they are. And so I, I always am telling my assistants, <laughs> the reason that I'm one of the top speakers in the world 
is because you guys make it easy for me. All I need to do is perform on stage. Uh, the rest of the work uh, is being done by them, and I wouldn't be able to be on that stage without them. They hear that over and over and over again, and there's all kinds of sentimental uh, rewards and recognition that I do with them. I want to get to understand my assistants, what turns their buttons on, what their family is like, if they have kids, and are there things that I could be doing for them that would be over-the-top extra special. My assistants, I've got five. Uh, they've been with me for more than 10 years, and some of them are approaching 20 years. Uh, I hardly ever see them physically, and they work out of their homes, and they all do different things, but it has released me from doing so much of what other speakers do, whether it's uh, somebody orders my books online, and, uh, and I have somebody that takes care of that that's an assistant for me. I, when I'm pre-pandemic, I'm traveling 250,000 air miles, I have somebody booking all my travel. I, the majority of speakers, my competitors, they're doing their own travel. Uh, they're they're shipping their own books out. Uh, they're processing the credit card. None of that is on my on my wheelhouse because one, it's not an HPA uh, for me, a high payoff activity, and two, uh, I I I wouldn't be enjoying doing any of those things like I didn't enjoy doing papers. So I've oriented myself to say, hey, how can I be focused on the things that are going to generate business for me? That's my wheelhouse. And that's the only thing that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. Having an assistant uh, for the last five years myself, it's uh, you know, as far as the job duties for her, it's uh, for those of you that are about to hire someone. It's for me. It's 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 managing my calendar, which means scheduling my appointments and making sure I'm going to be there on time. Uh, she helps me to be on time. What she also does is she takes my my iPhone and sets the alarm for five minutes before every appointment. So now I can make sure I'm on time. She can then follow up to make sure I'm on time. So th those are just some simple things um, that you can do. Um, so, and so, and I know every, you've done. Go ahead. Every, every, he's, every top producer in the mortgage industry that I know uh, has assistance. And I put a nest at the end of that word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, also one thing I like to remember, I was uh, reminded of that today when my assistant came in and told me about an employee that hadn't been doing their job correctly. And, 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 and she was uh, frustrated because, you know, they were taking advantage of her. And I said, listen, how about this? How about we haven't trained them to do their job correctly yet? Let's try that thought pattern before we think about they're taking advantage of us. Because when you communicate to them whatever's going wrong and you think they're taking advantage of, of you, your communication with them is going to make them uh, d d defend their point. So uh, I think most people want to come to the office. They want to do a really good job. Uh, and it's our job to make sure they're, they're doing that good job by, like you said, continuing to train not only the loan officers, but the people within the organization on a regular basis. Um, speaking of training, uh, you know, I know how fitness has really impacted your life and you waited till late in life to actually, uh, take your fitness, uh, to a new level for those people. Uh, on the call that uh, don't know you, the history of fitness in your life, uh, share a little bit about that and kind of some advice for someone that might 
want to take their fitness to the next level or even start getting fit fit well i i i i would tell you that when i was on the east coast uh I wasn't as fit as when I got to the West Coast, and uh, it just was more of a conducive environment. The weather played to, to, our, to my advantage to be out. Uh, but when I arrived, when I arrived on the West Coast, uh, I did not. I did. I had never run a 5K. So in 1985, which puts me at like 45, 46 years old, uh, it, 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 I, 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 no, it puts me at 36 years old. Uh, I, 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 I don't have any experience at running. Uh, an employee comes in and tells me the American Heart Association is running a 5K starting out on the weekend right outside my office. And if I sign up, other employees will, and it's for a good cause. So I did that. Um, and I found that even though my time was terrible and it took a lot of effort to do that, uh, I made it across the finish line, 3.1 miles. And uh, mm -hmm. when I got back to the car, there were all these flyers in the windshield wiper saying there's another race here and another race there. And I started to become a 5K junkie. Um, then I couldn't find a 5K, but I found a 10K. So all of a sudden I ran a 10K and I went, wow, that was more fun than a 5K. I'm going to start running 10Ks and start running 10Ks. And what do we know? Uh, I worked my way up to marathoning. 46 years old, I ran my first marathon. What I can tell you is as of today, I've now run 96 marathons, one in all 50 states, one in all the continents. And then as a crazy, crazy thing, at 58 years old, uh, I, I, I completed my first Ironman, 140.6 miles of swim, bike, and run. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and, and early on in my 58th year, uh, I did not know how to swim. So I had to learn to swim so I could run a, a swim, a 2.4 mile swim on the clock and then a 112 mile bike and a 26.2 mile run. Uh, over the next eight years after doing my first Ironman, I did 14 more. So a total of 15 Ironman. Uh, fitness is a way of life for me now. I'm two to three hours of exercise a day, and that's irrespective of where I'm, where I am in the world, what kind of travel I'm up against. Um, I have just found that um, that the more fit I am, uh, the more it's easier to handle um, challenges, uh, handle stress. Uh, the people around me tell me that I'm happier. Uh, I know that I'm happier. They're happier to see me that way. Uh, and I really believe that I am extending my life uh, in numbers of years. And I can tell you the quality of my life is over the chart because of my focus on my fitness and health. Right, right. It, 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 any advice for someone that, you know, that, that wants to take their fitness to the next level or even start? Yeah. So, um Things that get measured get done. Um, so uh, I, I would encourage people to go to my website and just see all. I post my goals on there for all of the world to see, and you'll you'll be blown away by all of the things that I am trying to do. And you'll see my dedication to health and fitness. Every single one of those line items on my goals is tracked and measured every day. And then I have five people that I call the board of directors of my life 
who one-on-one meet with me four times a year to make sure I'm doing what I said I was going to do. So there isn't a month that goes by where somebody isn't calling me out. And there are people that care about me and also won't take my excuses. So every day I wake up and I've got to record in my calendar what I did. I've got to summarize it for the month, summarize it for the quarter, summarize it for the year, compare it to the goals, compare it to the prior year. And uh, my board of directors of my life are taking a look at those reports. So I say start easy. Um, if you're not running and you want to run, don't put down that you're going to run a marathon. Uh, put down that you want to elevate your game to a 5K. And once you've done a 5K, then maybe you say, okay, I'd like to do the next one a little bit faster. And once you've run a few of those, maybe you can take a look at a 10K and just work your way up. Uh, what I found, though, and I think, you know, you share the same uh, same feelings, Heath, because I know that you're involved in a lot of this as well. Um, what you find is a community of people that are actively doing these races and they're attitudinally correct. They're so positive. Mm. And that mm. positivity ends up raining all over me, regardless of what's going on in my life. I come out of a race and I just lose with a pack of a thousand people that are all positively just amped up. Yeah, it, it fit has changed my life and given me the self confidence. Uh, you know, and, and, and like you, I started uh, super small and worked my way up. And every time I was going to do a race, I wasn't uh, sure whether I would, you know, actually finish it or not. But I knew if I started it, I had a better chance of finishing it. And the start is just signing up. So I think sometimes they people think, okay. Uh, you, you have to have the confidence to finish it. No, no, you just have to, the moment you want to do it, go sign up and that'll move you forward in that direction. So I, I'm curious, the board of directors, just for people on the call, can you just share a little bit about that? Like, what are the kind of people that you have on your board? How often do you meet with them? And how long have you had that group? Yeah, so the group changes. Uh, I change people out from the group. Uh, they, they need to have two criteria. One criteria, they, they need to care about me. Uh, I, I want people that are very, very serious about, hey, I'd love to help this guy. I, 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 and the second thing is, I'm going to take him on. He's a strong guy, but I'm going to take him on and get in his face uh, if he isn't performing at the level that he said he was going to perform. So as an example, I have two kids. I have Melissa. And then I have Adam, and they're both adults. One of them is in their uh, late 40s. One of them is in their early 40s. Uh, Melissa is like Jack in a skirt. Uh, this is a gal that just uh, takes no prisoners. She's a, she's, she's a drive, driven person, accomplishes a ton of stuff, and doesn't take any, anybody's nonsense. Um, there's no way that I'm going to have a one-on-one -on -one with my daughter uh, uh, and say, I didn't get my stuff done. Um, so I've got those types of people. I've got previous business partners that are on the board of directors of my life. My son, Adam, uh, I would never invite him to be on that board because he plays life fast and loose. He's not as disciplined. He's not, he's going to, I'm going to say, well, I got busy and I didn't get to do this. He's going to go, yeah, I understand uh, that happens to me a lot. I, I, don't, I don't want that in a coach. I want people that are going to hold my feet to the fire. Um, and, and as I said, we, we, we meet uh, at their leisure um, four times a year each, 20 times a year in total. Uh, and in the last year, 
uh, we've been just doing it on Zoom because of the absence of travel and, and the, you know, the separation and all the social distancing and everything else. Um, gosh, I haven't seen my daughter who lives on the East Coast and in a, a be, the better part of a year, but, but we continue to do it uh, in, in just a different medium. Got it. Yeah, I'm definitely moving in that direction. I like that idea about having a board. And 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 uh, f- f- final question. Uh, so I know you, I know you always make time to 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 uh, get the health uh, state to stay healthy. But for some people out there that uh, you know feel like time is uh, an issue, what's one like health hack or way that people can stay healthy even when they don't have time? Yeah. So that the, the absence of time is inexcusable. Uh, We're all given the same amount of time every week. The number is 168 hours. Uh, But if you study top producers, uh, they they manage their time differently than the non-top producers. Uh, You know, what time do you get up in the morning? Well, if you typically are getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning, well, you're two hours behind me because I'm up at five. And, you know, this morning, uh, I've, al- I've already done an hour on my Peloton. I've done 500 crunches, and I've done 30 minutes on the rower. Uh, I'm not done for the day, but I was finished that by 8 o'clock in the morning and then took down my breakfast and was at work all, 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 right then with, with the people that are getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to tag something of an exercise nature on the back of the day. Uh, it really is, uh, is it important to you and is it a priority? There's no question, Keith, that it has been proven that people that take care of themselves from an exercise and fitness standpoint li- tend to live longer and healthier lives. So what I say to people is this, and this is harsh, but I say, hey, do you have a loved one in your life? Do you have a significant relationship? Are you married? Uh, you know, something along those lines. Um, and, uh, and do you have children? And, um, and w- would, would you like to, to be with them longer and healthier in your life? Uh, and if you can't find the time to prioritize your health and your fitness, when, then just tell your, your loved ones, hey, I- I'm going to check out off of this planet earlier than what I should uh, because I don't have the discipline to prioritize my health. Sorry, I don't mm. love you that much. Right. I, 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 that's that's blunt. That's harsh, but it's real. Uh, yeah. You know, I've watched people during the pandemic of the past year uh, telling me that you know it wasn't COVID nineteen; it was COVID twenty because they put twenty extra pounds on. So they found <laughs> time to feed their face. Uh, I've watched people telling me that they've run out of movies because they've seen everything on Netflix. Well, they found the time for Netflix. They found the time for TV, but they can't find the time for exercise. I'm calling bullshit. Um, and so, you know, my priority is I've got, I've got four grandkids. I got another one on the way. I want to be around to race races with my grandkids. Uh, I'm committed to crossing the finish line with one or more of them in a marathon. Well, they're still quite a far, quite a few years away and I ain't getting any younger. So I better get fitter. Wow. Thanks, Jack. And before I let every before you let everyone know where they can contact you, I just want to take the moment to acknowledge you for for number one for 
being a veteran in the Army, as, as a veteran myself, I understand it's a, it's a conscious decision. Thank you for serving our country, number two, uh, for being uh, com- committed and, com- and compassionate and, and passionate about life and being a, an example for everyone. And then number three, for showing us how to create a, a, an amazing life by design. You know, you have a conscious thought process in what you want your life to be like. And it's a great example for for people that are on the call, uh, for someone to start doing Ironmans at the age of 58 when most people are thinking about retirement. So thank you, Jack. Where can people find more information or they want to contact you? Where's the best place for them to contact you? Yeah, so so thanks for that. And I'm going to belly up on this one and say, please go to my website, uh, jackdailysales.com. Uh, there's so much on there that are free things that will help you be better at what you do, whether it's in business or in life. And in life, what I can tell you is I post my bucket list with over 300 items on it, and uh, many of them are already completed. Go and check out how I have designed my life such that I'm enjoying so many incredible experiences, and everyone has that opportunity. So. Um, the, the first way that you get a hold of me is just go to my website, jackdailysales.com. A second way is that uh, you can attack, you can you can approach me by way of my personal uh, email, and that is jack at jackdailysales.com. And I answer my own emails. I may tag one of my assistants to give you some value on top of it, but uh, you'll get a first response from me personally. And then uh, the last thing I would tell people is, uh, you know, I've got several Amazon number one bestseller books out there. And uh, the number one bestseller book that I wrote was about seven years ago called Hyper Sales Growth. Uh, That thing is still challenging us to keep in stock at Amazon. Uh, It's so popular out there in the world. So uh, there's a lot of resources. Uh, available on the website. I, I author a magazine called Get Jacked. You can download those for free on the site. Um, we we all have ways to improve ourselves. I'm 72 years old, Heath, and uh, so far this year, uh, I've read 35 books since the beginning of this year alone. Wow. What an example. Well, well Jack, I appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, I can't wait to uh, read that next book. I've got the sales playbook that I am halfway through and getting through it so I can put together my playbook. Thanks for being on the show, Jack. It was my pleasure. We're going to make a difference. And there you have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the notes at heatbarns.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at heatbarns.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk next time.